Hey, I'm Laura. And I'm B. And you've discovered The Energy to Heal, a podcast brought to you by Embolden Label. In seasons of struggle, it's obvious what's wrong, but somehow fixing what's broken seems impossible. Here you'll learn about Splunkna, a faith-based method for breakthrough that will allow you to get unstuck and move towards freedom. It allows you to connect the dots that led you into hardship in the first place and release and restore what's holding you back. Splunkna brings together the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of an issue. This whole person approach leads to lasting change when compared to traditional methods. Let's get started. Welcome to the show today. I'm so excited to get into our topic today, which is really the importance of healing. Why does it matter? Why do we need to dive in and dig through our past and heal the things that are affecting us? Uh, Laura's here with me today. Hi, Laura. Hi, good to hear you again. We missed each other over Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're back from a holiday. And by the time you hear this, we will possibly be past the new year which is crazy to think about. And it really writes this story of like anticipation. And I think so many of us live in anticipation of what's coming next. And the really important message that we have for you today is that when you decide to not heal, when you decide that you are just stuck with the hardship and the struggle that you're walking through in your life or the negative emotion that you have kind of bursting out of you, you, you lose that hope and that forward thinking. You lose that ability to anticipate good. And that is not what the Lord offers us. In fact, the the Lord's promises offer us the exact opposite. He gives us the greatest gifts that we have, our greatest talents. He gives us our ability to love others and many other things that I'm sure um, Laura has some brilliant things to share today. And so I'm sure all of that will come out. And I'm going to start today's episode with a story Uh, So yesterday I got a phone call from a very dear friend of mine who is just like, he embodies the heart of God. He loves people. He has cerebral palsy. And yet he is one of the strongest people I know. He doesn't let any of these like worldly limitations hold him down. And we have had these brilliant conversations about how his external image makes people see limitations in him automatically when they see him. And yet people look at me and they think I have no issues and all of my pain and all of my hurts were internal, which can be really easy to dissociate from and shut down about because I am able to hide mine. And we've had these really neat stories and we've been able to really, um, like chat with each other about, his struggles versus mine and yet how similar they are. And he called me yesterday and he said, I have the story of this friend of mine. And he said, I knew she was in a challenging marriage. I knew she was not happy. And I would say that she is married to a jerk. And he said, but I had not experienced it. So in my head, I just kind of thought she was complaining about it. And he said, but then I went to this event with these folks and he said, when I heard how her husband spoke to her, he said, I've never experienced anything like that. And he said, I feel like I've been around and I've seen people mistreat people. He's like, 
listen, I've had people say horrible things about my disability and my limitations and many other things. And he said, this was different. And he's explained this whole story to me and he's, he paused and he kind of was searching for the question. And he said, can I ask you, is this what you've been through? And it it's never occurred to me that people can't understand my story because they've never experienced it. And when he described the things that were said to this gal and the types of um, degrading, just like the, the mistreatment that she has experienced for so many years um, that, that like my friend was going like, I, I just am having a hard time wrapping my head around. Like, how is this possible? How is it possible that someone you love could treat you like this? And it wasn't so much the story that is the inspiration for the show today. It is more that this gal that he's referring to can't see a different way. She's Mm -hmm. been in this relationship for over 20 years. She's raised children with this person. She is um, successful by all worldly measures. They have nice things, nice homes. They travel. They both have good jobs. You name it. Mm -hmm. And yet... There's this question of why is healing so important? So this is obviously a story that is not going to relate to everyone. However, healing is hard. And that is why we named this podcast episode, The Energy to Heal, because quite frankly, to face the hard stuff and to face finding that version of better is really It takes a lot of energy. Yes. Yes. And you have to have a lot of gumption and a lot of strength and a lot of discernment and a lot of forgiveness, like so many things. So this story is going to kick off our episode of why it's so important to heal. And I'm just going to toss it over to Laura for response because she had no idea what I was going to say here. That's the beauty of two strangers podcasting together. (laughs) So. So I do have a little bit of a weird obsession with learning about emotions and I don't really know why besides the fact that I grew up like every millennial, I feel like everyone that I know grew up in this mentality of like, we were never taught how to have emotions. And as I've gotten older, I... I'm just realizing it is just what everything hinges on. That's the filter, at least, that I see it through. Mm. And you said healing is really hard. And that makes me think of something my husband says a lot. Um, He is an entrepreneur. He faces hard a lot. He puts a lot on the line, a lot of risk, a lot of that. And one thing he says is the hard way is the easy way. Mm. And what he means by that, and especially in this area of healing, if you're on the fence and you're like, you know what? I know that I have a ton of crap to heal from. I am not okay. I know that. But I don't know if I'm ready, able, willing to go to therapy, to talk to someone, to face whatever it is that's inside of here. I would tell you the hard way is the easy way. And what I mean by that in this scenario is it is hard to turn around and look back and to be like, okay, why am I not okay? What have I been through? What did my childhood look like? All the things that you're terrified to look at. But in uh, almost like 
as your payment for doing that, you get the easy way, which is a lifetime of release and joy and healing. So it's like the hard is hard, but it's temporary. It's maybe a couple years of your life if you're going through therapy. It's maybe a couple months of your life. Maybe it's a couple weeks. Who knows? But it is temporary hard for the rest of your life of healing, of experiencing relationships in a fresh new way, of not bringing your past mistrusts and hurts into your present marriage or into your parenting. Mm -hmm. So that hard has a somewhat of an ending point. You do not have, despite how it feels, a never ending well of depression and sadness and sorrow in you. There's a bottom in there somewhere. And when you can go back with professional help and go back and heal the parts of you that were kind of hurt, damaged, neglected, whatever it is in your past, and you get through all those years, all that crap, you've you've come out on the other side. Now you have this new gift of being able to just experience your life for what it is without the filter of the past on everything. So you'll still be, you'll still experience sadness. You'll still experience frustration, loneliness, but it'll be more present day stuff that you can just work through and move on instead of the layers and layers that are behind that sadness, stress, frustration. Um, I think of like uh, early years in my marriage, I had no idea how to talk about my feelings. I could talk about my happy feelings, but if my husband hurt my feelings or offended me, I had no words. I would just shut down. I would stop talking to him. Total silent treatment. Not because I was trying to punish him, but I just couldn't speak. I couldn't express to him. I didn't have that skill set. I didn't know how to stand up for myself or to say, hey, when you said this, it really made me feel this. I couldn't. I don't know why. I just didn't have practice with it. Um, So years go by, you know, we're maybe eight years into our marriage. And now if he were offending me, let's say on a Tuesday, eight years into our marriage, not only am I hurt and offended by the thing that happened on that day, but it's like all these layers come forcefully shooting up with it because I never, we never addressed them. We never talked about the 200 other times that this has happened and I never said anything. Right. So this little thing that happens on a Tuesday turns into a massive explosion of me crying, him not understanding, both of us getting defensive when it, it could have just been a little Tuesday thing, but we hadn't done the hard work of talking through and learning about each other and expressing our hurts. And so anyway, there was a season of life where my husband and I, we did go to counseling, but really what that did is propel us into um, this screened in porch that we have on our house. And every night we would go sit on this porch and it was like preparing for battle because (laughs) we were unpacking years of stuff that I had never spoken up about that he had never spoken up about. And it was hard. That was the hard we, I dreaded it and looked forward to it at the same time. It ended in tears in so many nights and it felt like our marriage was getting worse because it's like, bleh, we're just all puking it up and it's just all sitting there and we're like, what do we do with this? But eventually it felt like we ran out of steam. It, we ran out of 
things to share and to talk about and to go back to and, hey, can we reprocess what happened back in 2010? Because I still feel mad about that. And it was so messy, but man, I have never, we've never been closer. I love that we we went to battle with each other. I love that you use the reference of Tuesday too. So I don't know if you've ever heard this song, but my husband and I, one of our favorites, like marital songs is called love is the Tuesdays. Have you ever heard of it? No. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to send it to you. And everyone who's listening needs to look up this song. This, this episode really was not intended to go marital, but we as hosts do both have our stories with marriage and hardship and hard things that we've said to our spouses or people that have said hard things to us in the past. And this song is so interesting because I think sometimes we forget about the hard stuff that happens in the everyday, right? Which is what you're saying. It's like, it, it it happens on a Tuesday and you're busy. Like you just need to move forward and get back to the good. And I think that that is the suppression of those negative emotions and those moments and that stack, you know, those layers that you're talking about. And you don't think about it like trauma. You don't think of it as really this great struggle or hardship. And yet it can lead you down a really bumpy road that you're like, I don't, I don't even know where this started. So this, the lyrics of this song, just like the chorus part, and I'm only going to read a short part of it. It says, it's not just highs and lows and champagne toast. I've come to know that love's not only the best days or the worst days, love is the Tuesdays. And oh. so I'm going to, I'm going to take us a little bit of a tiny right turn here. And I, I've not asked you this question and lovely, um, re- I was going to say lovely response, but that doesn't make sense. The lovely part of doing this with you is we are strangers and I have no idea how you're going to answer this. So what is your (laughs) definition of healing? Like what, what is healing to you? Oh, that's a good question. I guess my first answer would be, um, the willingness to turn around Mm. and look at what's behind you. And not only willingness to look at it, but to walk through it, to tolerate the emotions that come up with it, mm-hmm. to accept them instead of fight them, to be like, yep, that's how I felt. Valid or invalid, whether I had reason to or not, that's how I felt. To talk it through with someone who can help you process, almost like airing it out, getting it out into the light so it can't fester in the darkness anymore. Mm-hmm honoring it. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I just, I think we are created to do that in context with other people. And maybe you have really amazing friends in your life that can help you process that kind of stuff. Maybe you have amazing parents or mentors, but if you don't, that's what an amazing counselor is for. They are Mm -hmm. trained to help you turn around, look at what's behind you in a way that's not going to overwhelm you or feel like you just got taken over into a tornado and help you air it out, bring it out into the light, maybe change your mindset on it a little bit and it loses its power. There's just something about how we were created in our psyche to talk and process that kind of stuff. Whereas we, when we can acknowledge it, it loses its Goliath type power. Yeah, totally. I love that. That's that's a beautiful way of looking at that. I so did you have a, did you have a different yeah it is that you had in I'm mind? glad I asked you this yeah it's very different um you know the looking back piece is is 
it's huge. I mean, it's just a huge, huge part of the journey. I, I believe that therapy is really designed to take a look in the rear view and, you know, check things out where, where does the struggle live in the past? Um, and then I come from the coaching world. And so my version of healing stems really from my own experience of, I think healing is so hard because you don't always know what's on the other side, especially if you have a a childhood trauma or a, a, a system that you grew up in or a program that you've always been running in. Say, for example, you are the entertainer of your college group. And what that has turned into is you end up drinking too much and kind of being the silly one. And it's now starting to affect your health, right? Like, So this identity that you wear being the entertainer is now starting to really affect who you are. It's affecting your relationships that you can be in and all of those things, but you can't see what's on the other side of that. So if I were to disarm my, my, my being the entertainer person in my friendship, what does that mean for my friendships? What does it mean for my future? What does it mean for my laughter and my like, like comic relief? What does that mean for if I find healing in in laughter and silliness, does that mean all of a sudden I have to be really serious? And for me, I can definitely say, um, you know, I've shared my story on the show before, after I went through a divorce, I remember feeling like I was standing in a blind spot and I knew that I wanted what was on the other side, but I didn't know what that was. So taking a step towards that was really scary because I didn't want to take the wrong step and end up not on the right side of that, right? Like I didn't want to end up in deeper mm-hmm. struggle. And I think that oftentimes that's what keeps people sort of frozen with what they currently have is like, like what if it gets worse? It, yes. And in my case it did. And I think that that's a hard story to tell. I think we live in this woo woo world where we want to say, you know, oh, everything's great and beautiful and all the things. And the, it's mess. It can be messy. It can be really hard. And for me, my tell trauma me, was. T- tell me ahead. what you mean by got worse. Like um, for how long? And and then did it get better? I'm assuming. Yeah. No, it did. It. I had a lot of healing. I had a lot of rewiring. Um, I shared on my episode about how I came to Swampna, how I had this early exposure to explicit content. And when your brain is, is exposed at a young age to something that alters the development of your brain, alters your perception of the world, I, I would, I would go seeking love, for example, like going into church and trying to find a really solid Christian man, but I still didn't quite have the frame for how that man should treat me. And so I missed some of those like relationship red flags when I went into then the next relationship after my divorce. So when I say it got worse, like I think sometimes we're really hard on people when they repeat the same patterns and they expect different results. And I think that sometimes I just made a podcast episode about this on my other show about how as adults, we're so fearful to take a step toward like towards success or out of failure rather. 
And when you think about a toddler who's like crawling and motoring around, like Laura has five kids. So she had five experiences with like her babies crawling around and being like, you can move, right? Like those kids can motor when they're crawling. And then your toddler has to slow down and, and learn to toddle, right? Learn to walk. They have to slow down. They have to stand up. They have to steady themselves and then they'll try to take a step and then they leave the safety of whatever they're holding on to and they take another step and then they fall. Well, mm-hmm. think about every one of your kids doing that. None of them went from that shaky standing point to like running down the hallway. They all tried over and over and over and over again to walk and they they went from taking two steps and falling to taking maybe five and falling, to taking maybe six and a half and falling, right? Like it was a slow process. So was that your experience? Like in therapy, you found yourself trying and trying again, but still falling. Yes, but I think I resisted resisted leaving that safe place for a long time, right? Like I wanted to heal and resolve without leaving the comfort of the, the, the thing that was stable that I was holding onto in my case, the thing I was stably holding onto was not actually safe. And I think that's the case for a lot of us is like, we're holding on to what we believe is normal. We're holding on to maybe some identity traits or some personality traits that aren't actually serving us. And if we're holding on to that, then we can't actually take those steps towards success. And Mm -hmm. many of us, even if we do leave the safety of that, we will fall and then we go back to what's safe. Like it's as we grow into adults, we become far less resilient to like the continuing to fall thing. And I believe, and this is just because of what I do for a living, but I believe it's because of how people react to us as adults. Um, I just published a children's book a few, a couple months ago, not even, I'm trying to think of like when this will come out. Cause actually today is launch day as we're recording this. And, um, the, the, the process of getting to this point was, was hard. The healing to get to this point was hard, but even the last like three weeks, right? The illustrations were done. The formatting was done. Like everything was ready. Everything was submitted. I, by all intents and purposes could see this crossing the finish line. Like God's got this right. I was in the, like the, we'll call it the coasting stage. And then I was like, okay, it's time to start sharing. But between the start sharing, right. For me, like if we're using this metaphor, like I start sharing about the book, that means I left the stability of like, it's quiet. Nobody can judge me. Nobody can criticize me if something goes wrong, like nobody knows. And so for the last two, three weeks, I've been taking these steps going like, I've got no idea if this book is really going to publish on time. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I've never published a book before. So like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just checking boxes. And I think that anytime we're walking towards something that's on the other side, we're like, we we are unsure about whether or not we're taking the like quote right steps. And this yeah. is where <laughs> as a like new believer, it took me time to understand how to trust the Lord because 
like I had to learn what that relationship was with him. And not everybody has the same story with, with God and the way God has shown up for them in their life. And for me, like I didn't have, um, you know, I, I think oftentimes the Lord won't show us what's on the other side because he wants us to trust him. And, yeah, you know, that's like just such that metaphor of being able to walk away from this, like, it's almost like a sinking ship, right? Like it's the boats going down yeah. and yet I'm still holding on to it. Yeah. I, it's like human nature to want to stay where it's safe, but also progress. And you can't, you have to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. And it also makes me think of, so there's like these truths about how humans work and it is just, it's not opinion. It is just how we are created. And one of them is when it comes to emotional well-being. We think that if I'm emotionally healthy, if I'm emotionally healthy, then I'm happy mm. most of the time. But emotional well-being isn't just the capacity to feel happy all the time. It's the capacity to feel all of our feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think most people are not there yet. They are willing to feel happy. They're not willing to feel frustrated, lonely, um, abandoned, neglected. And so we just coast in this place where we feel the happy, but we suppress, ignore, move on, distract ourselves from all the quote unquote negatives. But what it doesn't, it creates this false or maybe shallow happiness in us. Mm-hmm. So we don't get to pick and choose what emotions we feel to a full degree, to full capacity. And what I mean by that is like, if you have all these emotions that are negative that you're trying to suppress or distract yourself from, you will be able to do that for a significant amount of time and you'll be able to live in the happy, but it will feel shallow because Mm. if we're suppressing the experience of one side of our emotions, we will not be able to feel the fullness of the other side of our emotions. And most people don't even realize this because they've been suppressing for so long that they've lived in the shallow happy for so long. They don't know there's something else. They don't know there's a depth of joy that is available to them. So when you choose to heal in whatever avenue that looks like, and you're willing to feel the awful, heavy, overwhelming of your past and get through the sorrow and the sadness and the disappointment, eventually that clears out. And also what you find is your joy increases on the other side of healing. You experience, uh, your, your life differently. You're, you're Mm -hmm. able to literally have a depth of joy and happiness that you maybe didn't have access to before. It's funny. Your brain was just in this mode of like, let's suppress emotions and you don't just get to choose one. It's going to suppress all your emotions. Your, your happiness is going to be smaller and your sorrow is going to be smaller. It's so confronting to hear you say that. And it's such this great, I don't know how our listeners are experiencing this, but it's like, I can literally see kind of a wave that, that people are riding and like resisting certain things and how you have to kind of like, like just kind of, you just kind of become shallow, right? Like I think of that as almost Mm -hmm. like a way of functioning to be shallow so that you're, you're either protecting yourself from feeling it or you're protecting others from seeing you go through it. And I 
for years, years would like fall apart in the privacy of my own space. Cause that's what the world mm. tells us we're supposed to do. And so there were two or three people that, you know, knew about my struggle, my, you know, my family, like people that I trusted, which I believe is safe. Like, I think that's a good thing when you're going through hard stuff. But I also think about how, um, this book launch, I have been like overwhelmingly sobbing with joy. And I, you couldn't have convinced me just two years ago that that was even possible because I had never actually experienced this type of joy. And it's like, it's more than joy. It's freedom. It's success. It's, um, taking a creative project over the finish line. It's, um, it's inspiring my kids. It's my husband being proud of me. It's, oh gosh, it's like, it's all the things. And I literally this morning was like, just blubbering crying, which like in my frame of reference would have meant like anguish, hardship, fear, sadness, anger, right? Bitterness. And here I am sobbing going like, what is this? What is this? Like I'm celebrating these really big emotions and it does feel so deep. It feels, oh, I love that. You know what I mean? Like it isn't that shallow kind of like, oh, cool. That was fun. Um, and I think that we, when we talk about emotion and, and I, I would love your opinion on this. It seems to me like most of our cultural, kind of ways of interacting are muted are with muted emotional intelligence or muted emotional offering. So it's, and I don't know where that started or where it comes from, but it just feels like, um, like I remember times when I was like first starting to go to church, you would be in church and this pastor would give this just like, ah, inspiring sermon and everyone in like the energy in the room would just be so spirit filled and so in just inspiring. And then you would look around and everybody would just stand up and leave. And I'm like standing in the pews, like clapping, like, oh my <laughs> gosh, it was incredible. And yet no one is expressing any emotion, but I always noticed that you could walk out and you would see like the people that it really touched. You would see like the redness in their eyes. You would see you know, this, the tears that had stained their makeup or whatever. And yet they kind of pulled it together at the end of the sermon to make sure that nobody saw their emotional reaction. So what's your opinion about this? Like, has your experience been different than this? I just, I agree with what you're saying in how I see it shows up differently. Um, the connection that I have made that has changed my parenting changed my way of expressing emotions is what I see is, and as our listener, I want you to just take a little, um, roll call on your childhood when you were upset about something, let's say something really hurt your feelings, really made you mad. And you expressed that anger or disappointment or loneliness or whatever in the way a child would with big emotions, what happened? Typically you got punished for it. Mm -hmm. In our culture, 
if a child throws something across the room or stamps their foot or yell something, they get sent to the corner. Mm -hmm. They're expressing a very normal human emotion in the only way a child knows how, because they are a child, they're tiny, they have very limited years of experience of expressing such huge, huge emotions. And we were taught as parents to punish that because it's our job to make sure they know that they are not supposed to throw things across the room instead of coming alongside them and saying, wow, I can see you are really mad right now. Mm -hmm. You're so mad that you threw that toy across the room. Can you tell me what you're mad about? Oh, I see. Okay. So let's go get your toy here. Come sit on my lap. Let's talk about how you're feeling right now. And let's figure out what else could we do when we're feeling this big mad so that we aren't throwing things across the room. Because do you know that if you throw that toy across the room, it could hit somebody and that would be dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you feel this big mad. What if you come to mom and you say, mom, can you help me calm down? I don't feel good. I feel mad. And you climb up on my lap and I give you a big squeeze. Like imagine if your childhood was met with that kind of response when you were mad instead of being sent to the corner. And that's, um, so we, that's what you gave your yeah. son. That's why he was able to turn. Well, am that's I right? What I gave like, my last two kids, my first three mm-hmm. kids, I did not parent that way. Mm-hmm. So I've got three kids that are close together in age. They're, um, 10, 11, 12. And well, almost those ages. And then I've got, we waited like almost five years and we had two more and I learned mm-hmm. how to parent differently in between those two groups of kids. And I wish I could rewind and go back. Um, I parent my three big kids that way now, but their toddler years, I, I just knew it was my job to cut that, that, um, behavior in the bud, like nip it out, teach them respect. It's my job as the parent to make sure they're respectful. So you better knock that off. We are not going to act that way. Right. And I just, it is a rare exception. If I meet an adult our age, raising kids who was not raised that way, that's our whole culture. So you go 18 years getting punished for anger, never having someone come alongside you and teach you how to feel anger appropriately never right. having someone how to teach you how to feel sadness appropriately. It's just awkward. If you feel sad around someone, if you're crying around someone, you make everyone feel awkward. They don't know how to yeah. handle it. So you go into your room and you cry and you try to pretend like it never happened. And then we become these adults who are married in a house with another human. <laughs> and we're still trying to pretend like we don't have any emotions. We don't have anger. We don't have sadness. It doesn't end well. It well, doesn't that's- bode well. That's when it becomes like a part of your personality, right? That's when people say like, gosh, you're kind of an angry person. And it's funny how you're, yeah. how you're putting it is so interesting because it is that long journey. It is that um, when your child's mad and you discipline them, you invalidate their anger or whatever emotion they're expressing. And then I think about like the teenage years and I you know, I'm not going to make any assumptions mm-hmm. about you being able to relate to this, but it's almost like you're so used to as a child being invalidated with that, that anytime you're invalidated, the anger actually is the reaction that comes out. So you've actually, by not validating someone's emotion or not being able to nurture it or love them through it, you actually are creating this label that they're going to live in 
And then you are constantly like frustrated with them because they're angry. And that's those like micro, you know, we, we refer a lot in our work doing Splunkna. Um, and even like in my coaching work, I would refer to anger and sometimes I will refer to trauma and people will look at you like, I didn't, that's not trauma, but even just those layers that you're talking about are a form of trauma because it's essentially like you're wearing a cloak of an identity, like an anger identity that doesn't actually belong to you. You've just never been heard and you probably don't know how to express it. My son came home. This makes, makes me think of another story. And, um, he came home from elementary school. He might've been in third grade. So my son's in sixth grade now, and he had gotten in trouble at school and I had received the email and like my son never got in trouble. So I just didn't really think anything of it. And he came home and he was really down and he was kind of like, you know, you know how people kind of go inside themselves and you know, something's wrong, but they don't really want to talk about it. And So I was kind of doing what I do and probing. And I think, you know, what you describe as the parenting piece, like we have to practice, we have to heal as parents to get to that point where we can help our kids get to the other side. And I remember preach seriously. That's so true. Oh, I think so many parents miss that. I did for a long time. Um, And my son, he hung his head down and eventually he started to open up. And I mean, it was like pulling teeth. And he finally said, I have anger issues. And I was like, oh, buddy, um, like, I'm not going to invalidate it. Right. Like he was feeling this way as a parent. I was like, I don't know where this came from. I don't know who handed him this. I don't know if he came up with this. Right. Like, I don't know if he's saying I have anger issues, but at that age, I was fairly confident that he didn't know what it meant. And like, when we validate the emotion, we're able to change the label. So my son has never said that again. He's absolutely not an angry kid. We have plenty of other behavioral issues that we have to work through, like any parent-child relationship. Right. And and that doesn't mean I'm perfect as a parent, and it doesn't mean he's perfect as a child. And to your point, like we just have to continue to improve that, that communication and that, um, that emotional release. I think one of the dangers of not healing is that many of the negative emotions that you might be suppressing, if you are in a season of struggle, become how people refer to you in your identity. And that is not, that is not God's intention for your life. So Mm -hmm. I have heard Um, I I can think of several people off the top of my head that are referred to as angry individuals when really the anger is the emotional piece that has never really been dealt with. Yeah, I think that's so good. Um, I want to encourage people and I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up here too. We want to try to keep these podcasts around half hour for you guys. So we, cause we could just talk all day. I feel like there'd be no ending. But, um, what you're saying and how it becomes your identity, if you see yourself as someone who's just, I'm just not an emotional person. I just don't know how to talk about my feelings. I just am not, I want to challenge that and think it might be because for your entire childhood, you were taught not to, or you never were given the opportunity to learn how to, but the beauty of going to counseling, of getting healing therapy is 
you can go back in time to your childhood and get your adult mind can validate your experience as a child and give yourself what you should have had as a child. You can give yourself understanding like, yeah, of course you felt that way. This and this and this were happening. It's logical at seven years old that you would have felt that way. That's what people talk about when they talk about reparenting yourself. It sounds so, I don't know, cheesy or something, but it's like, it's a, it's a real thing. And if you never learned how to express emotions or to be vulnerable as a child, in fact, you were punished for it. You can relearn that you can learn it now. Had you been in the ideal environment, you would have learned that as a child, but you didn't, but it doesn't mean you can't learn it as an adult. It might take a little bit of time and trial and error, and you're not going to do it perfectly, but you can learn emotional tolerance and intelligence and learn to be vulnerable and learn to share your heart with your spouse. You can learn those things as an adult. So I challenge you if you're on the fence, am I a person who's able to, to do counseling, to heal my past? I want to give you this visual as, as my parting thought here, imagine you had this gash, huge gash on your forearm Mm. and you're like, Oh, that is awful. I can see straight to the bone. This is a bad one. And it's getting in the way and it's hurting and people are grossed out by it. And they start to see like, it's starting to smell the infection is there. And you're like, Oh, this is real bad. So you go to Walgreens and you grab the biggest band-aid you can find and you slap it over that thing. And you're like, Whoo, there we go. Problem taken care of. Now nobody can see it. And I'm not getting weird looks from people things are going better for me. You know, that lasts for a while, but not forever. So eventually you learn to wrap like a big bandage, like an ACE bandage around the sticky yeah, bandage. Now it's oozing. Covered right? up again. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Keep that thing buried and people will treat me normal. I won't be embarrassed by it. It won't get in the way of my life. There's a difference between covering up and taking off all the bandages and actually letting the wound heal, mm -hmm. treating it, packing it, giving it antibiotics. But the process of taking the band-aids off and looking at that nasty thing and addressing it and giving it what it needs, that's the hard work of therapy. But in the end, you have a truly healed arm instead of a arm that is just hidden. The effects of that in your life are, it's too much to list in a podcast. Yeah. If you can do that with your past, it will change your marriage. It will change the way you feel about yourself, your connection with God, your ability to show up for your kids in an emotionally healthy way to offer your toddler, your calm and your grace and patience when they're melting down so that you don't join them in a temper tantrum. It is how you'll show up at work. What kind of an employee you'll be right. The ability to sleep at night. I mean, that infection or that unhealed emotional stuff in you that's causing anxiety, depression, anger. We do, the goal is to not, not keep shoving it down, not, not to keep covering it up. Like at some point, letting it air out, bringing it into the light and being like, yeah, it's gotten pretty bad. I need mm -hmm. help with this. That's a good visual. And knowing it won't take forever. You won't be in that place of on, you know, like packing the wound and the, the oozing, you won't be there forever. Eventually it will heal. So this is the perfect end cap to this episode. And I hope that I nail this because I'm just off the top of my head thinking healing is important. 
so you don't bleed on the people who didn't hurt you. That's so good. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today (laughs) on the podcast. We are grateful that you're here. And um, we just, our prayer for you today is that you feel inspired to take a look at any areas of your life that are contributing to your struggle or ways that people might be misunderstanding you. And we will see you back here next time. 